John chapter 9. Now that we got the rebuking out the way, we can go ahead and minister. John 9. We're going to read verses 1 through 7, and then we'll... Uh, well, let's just go there, 1 through 7. I won't read the other part of that for the sake of time. John 9, 1 through 7, are you there? Okay, if you don't have it there in the New King James Version, we have it on the screen for everybody to read together. Let's read it together. Ready, read. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back saying. He went and washed came back saying. Verse, nine, verse 1, rather, says, Now as Jesus passed by. Today, that's my subject. Jesus is passing by. Jesus is passing by. Father, thank you today for the opportunity we have to spend this time in your word. I pray that God, you give me divine utterance to speak things I've not already heard or thought. Give me divine unction to move in ways I've not already seen. And I pray, Father, your people have hearing ears, seeing eyes, and receiving hearts that the word of God may fall upon good ground and produce that which you see that to produce and accomplish that which you please. I pray and we call it done. Thank you that every demonic disturbance or distraction is removed. And your people are free to receive the word of God today. In Jesus' name, save somebody's soul. In Jesus' name today, amen, amen. and amen. Jesus is passing by. I want you to know that God specializes. We used to sing a song growing up. God specializes in things that seem impossible. Jesus specializes in changing people's lives. Hallelujah. Most of us here today are living, breathing testimonies of something in our lives that changed drastically, dramatically. All kind of testimonies abound in this house. People here who are former drug addicts and former alcoholics and former um, um, promiscuous perverts, liars. You're sitting around with former liars and cheaters. Hallelujah, gang bangers. Y'all quiet in here. A lot of people in here, most of us used to be something. All of us used to be sinners. I don't care how good looking you are when you were born. All of us were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And we're changed now. And we're not changed by our own power, not changed by our own works. We're changed by the goodness and the grace and the mercy of the living God. Can you say amen? Amen. In Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 7, I want to read that together. Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. It says this, but when the kindness and the love of God our Savior appeared toward men, toward men appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done. How many of y'all are saved in this place? It's not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy, in other words, he didn't save you because you were good. He saved you because of his mercy. And if you're today sitting in this place, you're saying, I'm already good. Well, I got good, uh, some news for you, brother. You're not good enough. Sister, you're not good enough. And if you feel like, well, I'm no good at all, you can't be bad enough for his mercy not to touch you. It's not by works of, of our, that righteousness that we have done, but, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So notice we're not saved by anything that we've done. And we can't be saved by anything that we do. We're saved by his mercy. Thank God for his mercy. Somebody say, thank God for his mercy. Hallelujah. He saved us. Hallelujah. We used to sing a song, a hymn growing up. 
I'm saved by his power divine. I'm saved to new life sublime. Life now, life now is sweet. And my joy is complete for I'm saved, saved. I'm going to take y'all back some, through some of those hymns, y'all, y'all. New age, uh, newfangled Christians, y'all don't know the old hymns. All y'all know is Kirk Franklin. <laughs> People got saved off Kirk Franklin. Do you want a revolution? <laughs> see? 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 Everybody knew that. You don't know songs like, all you wash in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb. Is your garment spotless? Is it white as snow? Are you wash in the blood of the Lamb? What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of God. What can make me whole again? All precious is the flow. That makes me no other. I know nothing. But I'm saved because of his mercy. Thank you, Lord. Jesus is in the saving business. Now, some of y'all already saved. You just pray with me today. I'm not after you. I'm after your neighbor who's not saved. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He came into the world to save sinners. John 3, 16, verse, verses 16 and 17, rather, says, For God so loved the world, you know it, that he gave, come on, that whosoever believes in him, come on. But, but do you know verse 17? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him People know verse 16, but don't have a revelation of verse 17. God did not send Jesus Christ into the world to condemn the world. He sent him here so that the world through him, this wretched, nasty, wicked, mean, chaotic, dark, evil, iniquity-filled world, he came to save it. In other words, he sees people in all the depths of their sins and said, but I came to save you. I didn't come to reject you. I came to save you. I loved you enough to pull off my robe in glory and come down here in this mean world and give my own life to die for the sinner. Hallelujah. And I'm so glad he did because I may be your pastor now, but I wasn't pastor worthy before I got saved. Truth be told, I'm not pastor worthy now. It's just by the grace of God that I am who I am. Y'all didn't hear what I said. I'm not pastor worthy now, but it's by the grace of God. Don't look at me funny. It's the same thing for you. You're not worthy of all God's done for you either. It's by the grace of God that you are who you are. Can you say Amen. So I want you to understand this morning that God is not sitting in heaven waiting to pull some lever that's going to open a hatch and send sinners into hell. That's not what he's doing. God is not looking at sinners and saying, I hate you. I don't want you and I don't want you near me. He's looking at sinners with compassion and grace and mercy and saying, I love you and I wish I want you to open your heart to me so I can demonstrate my love to you. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus says this. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Behold, look. I stand at the door. What door? The door of your heart. And I'm knocking. 
And he said, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door. So you can hear the door, hear the knock and not open the door. You, have you ever done that before? You ever heard? You ever heard somebody knocking at your door and didn't open it? Come on, tell the truth. Tell the truth. You, you had people at your door and you didn't open that door. I hear you knocking, but you can't come in. And the truth is, if you're living and breathing, Jesus Christ has been and is right now knocking at the door of your heart. If you're sitting here in this room today and you're not born again, you're watching right now online and you're not born again, the reason you're even watching, the reason you're even sitting here is because he's knocking. And there's no one on this planet who will ever go to hell and have the ability to say that he didn't knock on my door. Because he knocks on every single door. He knocks on every single door, every heart Jesus Christ is after. He said, yet the issue is you must hear my voice. Tell your neighbor, you heard his voice. Tell your neighbor, you've heard his voice. No, tell him again, yes, you have. You've heard his voice. You may not be born again, but I know you've heard his voice. You may not have opened the door, but you've heard his voice. When you were in that situation and something told you to leave, it wasn't something. <laughs> when you were running doing what you were doing and, you, and something told you to stop it, it wasn't something. It was someone. You were trying to sleep at night and tossing and turning and you thought it was something. I don't know what's bugging me. It wasn't something bugging you. It was Jesus. He's knocking. The reason you're restless right now is because he's knocking at your heart. There are some things you would have done if something had let you get away with it, but something wouldn't let you get away with it. It wasn't something, it was someone knocking at the door of your heart. And he says, if you will open the door, he says, I will come in and I'll dine with you and you with me. Come in and we'll eat together. Come in, we'll fellowship together. Come in and we'll share the wonderful things that my Father has given to us. But you have to let him in. Tell you that you have to let him in. Hallelujah. I want to see that same verse, please, in the, the Living Bible, please, media, the Living Bible. He says, look, I have been standing at the door. See that? And I am constantly. That means he doesn't relent. He, he, he knocks. He knocks. He's pushing. He's pushing. Every time you heard the gospel, he was knocking. Every time your friend said, hey, you, go to church with me, it's him knocking. It wasn't your friend inviting you to church. Y'all miss it. It wasn't your cousin inviting you to church. It was Jesus Christ knocking at your heart. You're here today because he's been knocking at your heart. And he says, I'm constantly knocking. He said, if anyone hears me calling him and opens the door, I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me. Tell your neighbor, Jesus is passing by. That's what happens when you, he, you go down the street and pass him by. You ever, you ever been passing by somebody's house and said, let me turn in here and stop and knock on the door and see how they... Some of y'all don't do that. I don't, I don't want to be uninvited. <laughs> uh-huh. At some point you have. At some point you have. You've pa been passing by and were interested enough. You were interested enough. Jesus is totally into you. He's totally interested in you. So he'll never just pass by without knocking. And if you don't answer the door, he'll leave, he'll keep going, but he'll pass back by again. And he'll leave because he's a gentleman, he's not going to barge in, he's not a thief and a robber. Anybody who comes in any other way, they're a thief and a robber, but not him. He said, I'm the door of the sheep. He said, I'm going, I'm going to knock. I'm going to knock on that door. 
and he's knocking on your heart right now as we speak. He's knocking on your heart right now as we speak. Because he wants you to open the door and let him in. Tell your neighbor he's passing by. And whenever he passes by, he's looking for an opportunity to change somebody's life. In this text in John chapter 9, in John 9, verse 1, it says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man, saw a man who was blind from birth. Now, when it says as he was passing by, it's important that probably beneficial if we look back at chapter 8 because it sets up chapter 9. In chapter 8, you remember in the, near the beginning of chapter 8, they bring to Jesus Christ this woman who was caught in adultery. Everybody say adultery. adultery. How many of you know adultery is sin? Adultery is having fornication, having sexual relations with somebody who's not your spouse. They belong to someone else. And this woman was caught in the very act. I mean, it's the look, the scent, everything about it. They caught her in the very act and brought her to Jesus Christ. Why? Because these religious folk who brought her, they knew the law. And the law said that if a woman was caught in adultery, a man as well, notice they didn't bring the man. It was probably, it was probably, it was probably one of their homeboys. But they brought, they brought the woman... They brought the woman and flung her at Jesus' feet and reminded what the law said. The law said that the woman caught in adultery should be stoned to death. And he looked up and he looked back down and began to write in the ground. We don't know. People speculate what he, what he wrote. It doesn't matter to me what he wrote. All that matters to me is what he said. What he said was, if anyone among you be without sin, let him cast the first stone. Oh, yes, the law does say we should stone her, but if you are qualified to stone her having no sin, then you go ahead and be, big boy, be the first one. I'm going to come on this side because y'all not paying attention. Uh, big, big, whoever, whoever of you thinks you are so clean that you, you don't have any, anything in your life so you qualify to cast stone, you go ahead and do it. What he meant was, you don't have the room to judge somebody else where they're caught. So he said, he said, if anybody without sin cast for a stone, the Bible says they all begin to, one by one, drop their stones and walked away. Tell your neighbor, drop your stones. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So they dropped their stones and walked away, and Jesus said to the woman, he said, he looked up finally and said, hey, where are your accusers? She said, sir, I have none. And he said, well, neither do I condemn you. He said, go your way. Now watch this. No. Tell your neighbor, watch this. Go your way and sin no more. He wasn't excusing her sin. Y'all quiet in this Presbyterian church. He wasn't excusing her sin. He was saying, I forgive you. I come with grace to overlook that situation. So what I'm going to do is now allow you to move on. But listen, don't, don't get caught slipping again. Tell your neighbor, don't get caught slipping again. Don't get caught. Don't get caught slipping. No. I know y'all looking all safe, sanctified, holy ghost filled, but you slipped. Don't get caught slipping again. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And what happened, he demonstrated love and mercy and grace toward this woman. And um, now, he's, 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 he's shown this grace. The Bible says in Romans 5.20 that moreover the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Everybody say grace abounded. Notice it says abounded, not abounds. People like to preach it as if grace abounds. Where sin abounds, grace abounds. It didn't say sin abounds, grace abounds. It says where sin abounded, grace abounded. It's past tense. Which means because the very next verse, when you go in chapter 6, verse 1, it says, what shall, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may or grace may continue to abound? He said, no, God forbid. So don't keep sinning saying I got grace. No, no, no. It abounded. Preach, man of God. 
We're not excusing sin. He's not allowing sin. He's saying that in spite of your sin, I'm willing to forgive you now and give you a grace that will abound more than your sin, which means the grace will now give you power to sin no more. Y'all don't like that part. The grace comes not so you can sin, it's so you don't have to sin anymore. See, without God's grace, I'd still be sinning every day. But now because I learned to tap into God's grace, Brother Don, I stay out of sin. Pastor, you don't sin? Not as far as I know. Well, who you think you is? Jesus? I am just like Jesus. And so are you if you'll recognize it. If you'll reckon yourself dead to sin. Now, this ain't my message. This not my message. If you'll reckon yourself dead to sin, you won't be in sin anymore either. Y'all quiet up here. I know, I know. You're making me nervous up here now. Hallelujah. So in John chapter 8, in verse 12, are you back there? Go back to John chapter 8, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I'm the light of the world. Saying, he said, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in what? Darkness, but have light, the light of life. It's a perfect setup for chapter 9. It's a perfect setup for chapter 9. He goes in through chapter 8 and tells them things like, you know, um, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. He tells them, I am the I am. And he, you know, he talks about how before Abraham was, I am. And the, the religious folk got mad at Jesus Christ for talking about he was, he was God. Although he was God, they couldn't take it. And he made himself out to be like God or as God. And they got mad. And they were going to now, they moved now from wanting, wanting to stone this woman. Now they're going to stone Jesus. It's all in chapter 8. I don't have time to read it. You read it at home in your own time. But in, in, in chapter 8, verse, uh, verse 58, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. All caps, right? He's, he's claiming his godhood, his deity. Are you with me this morning? Verse 59, then they took up stones to throw at him. So now you see that? Now they're going to stone him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. And so passed by. He avoided their, their assault, hid himself, and so passed by. Now that means he's on the run. Okay, I don't know if y'all get it yet. They're about to stone him. And he's now passing by. He's, he's escaping. Now, if you... I don't understand a criminal who steals a car and stops to put gas in it. Rob a bank and stop, gas, stop, stop by McDonald's and get a cheeseburger. You ever seen folk that they break in a house and make a sandwich? Oh, you got time to make a sandwich, cuz? So Jesus, watch this, he's about to be stoned. And he is escaping by passing. He, the Bible says he passed by. So he's moving. And we continue right in chapter 9, verse 1. Now as Jesus passed by, he's still on the run. But he saw. Uh, I don't know if y'all got it yet. He's moving. <laughs> he conceals himself. He hides in the crowd. He doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't have time to stop. He doesn't have time to mingle. He doesn't have time to fraternize. He doesn't have time to say, hey, how you doing? What's, what's going on with you? I ain't seen you in three years, you know. Oh, hi, hi Junior Dim. He, he don't have time for all that. But, but, on, but while he's passing by, he notices. Oh, can you, I mean, see him? He's in, he's in full gait. But all of a sudden, oh. 
And something compels him. Something drives him to stop. Because he saw a need and this other person's need outweighed his need to get away. And the Bible says, as Jesus passed by, he saw, he observed, he saw a man who was blind from birth. <laughs> because he, he, he stops because he, he's abounding in compassion and mercy. Psalm 145 verse 8 says this, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, so to anger and great in mercy. Repeatedly throughout, throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we, we see where Jesus Christ was moved with compassion. To be moved with compassion, if I can describe it without being too, uh, too, 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 too um, uh, express, expressive, um, is, is imagine if you are, um, you've eaten too much. You ever been, you ever, ever eaten too much in a hurry to get home? And the Bible talks about bowels of compassion. You know what the Bible calls it? Bowels of compassion. He was moved. It's like, like, <laughs> is this what it, that's, just, that's just what it means. I, I don't, I don't want to be too vivid with you, but so he, he's, he's, he's escaping. He's passing by, but oh, he sees a blind man. All of a sudden, oh. This is how Jesus operates. That he could be going about his business. Father God could be going about, about his business, ruling the whole universe. He's ruling the whole universe right now. But he looks at you and me and says, oh. I see you and I can't ignore what I see. I can't just keep on going with what I'm doing. I got to stop. I got to do something about the situation. So as he's passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Now watch, the Bible talks about him passing by. I, I want to I take you to a place uh, very quickly. Please, Ezekiel 16. Go to Ezekiel 16. I wanna, want you to see something here. Because this is, this, is, this is God's mode, how he operates. Ezekiel 16. Hallelujah. Verse 4. They'll put it on the screen for you. Write it down. Write it down if you just need to. This, this is how God operates. As for your nativity, on the day you were born, your navel cord was not cut. Y'all understand what this means, right? Yes. Nor were you washed in water to cleanse you. You were not rubbed with salt nor wrapped in swaddling clothes. In other words, you were baby born left abandoned. This is how, this is how he sees, saw the children of Israel. This is how he sees those who are lost and dying. He says, no, I pitied you to do any of these things for you, to have compassion on you, but you were thrown out into the open field. This is the state of the sinner. You were thrown onto the open field when you yourself were loathed on the day you were born. And when I passed by you. See, something happens when the Lord passes by. And when I passed by you and saw you struggling in your own blood, I said to you in your blood, live. If not, you would have died in your own mess, in your own sins, in your own loathing state. But I stopped by, I passed by, and I saw you and I said, live. The only reason, if you're not born again, the only reason you're still alive right now is because the Lord said, live on, come on, live, live, live. And the devil has tried to kill you. He's wanted to kill you. And the Lord said, no, live. For among the living, there is hope. I'm so glad God kept me alive. I'm so glad God kept me alive to give me a chance to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. If you're not saved, you ought to be thanking God right now. God, I don't know you. I, I'm not serving you, but I thank you that you've kept me alive because if I had died where I was, I'd be in hell right now. But he said, live. Yes, I said to you, your blood live. I made you thrive like a plant in the field and you, and you grew, matured, and became very fruitful. Your breasts were formed and your hair grew, but you were naked and bare. And when I passed by you again, 
and looked upon you. Indeed, your time was a time of love, so I spread my wing over you and covered you. Your nakedness, yes, I swore an oath to you and then entered into a covenant with you, and you became mine, says the Lord. Tell your neighbor, Jesus is passing by. Back in John chapter 9, look at this. Got to move very quickly. John chapter 9. John 9. Hallelujah. Notice here comes the question from the disciples, verse 2. His disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? They want to know what was the cause of his sin. Jesus responds in verse 3, and, and he answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Catch that. He said it wasn't, first of all, disciples, that's a dumb question about whether his sin causes blindness because he was born blind, men. How could his sin have caused him to be born blind? He had had opportunity to sin. But he says neither was it his parents' sin. His parents' sin that caused him to be blind. Well, whose sin was it? Why was he born blind? It was Adam's sin. Oh, Jesus. It was Adam's. Everybody say Adam. Adam was the first man born on this planet created on this planet. And because Adam committed high treason, he broke God's, God's commandment. He fell into sin. And because he entered into sin, death entered in, into the world and all the ages of death. That's why we have sickness and disease and poverty and earthquakes and hurricanes and floods and all the, all the chaos and, 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 and racism and prejudice and all the evil and all the, all the poverty. Everything we have now is because of Adam's sin. So the man being born blind wasn't his sin or his parents' sin. It was Adam's sin. Romans 5, verse 18 and 19. Romans 5, 18 and 19 says this. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in what? Even so, through one man's righteousness, righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in what? For as by one man's disobedience, many were what? Made sinners. So notice, when you're born on this earth, you already, you already come here as a sinner. And it wasn't your fault. Tell your neighbor, it wasn't your fault. You were made a sinner because of Adam. But so also by one man's obedience, many will be. Well, how is it that I be made Righteous. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open up the door, I will come into him and I will dine with him and he will dine with me. Hallelujah. Now, in John 9, again, who sinned? Jesus said, Nobody. It wasn't either one of those people. He said, But that the works of God should be revealed. In him. So the situation is an opportunity for the works of God to be revealed. Please don't misconstrue that as Jesus saying the man was blind so God could do something. That is a religious teaching that teaches people that God makes people blind, puts people, puts cancer on people so he can get some kind of glory. That's not how God operates. God is a good father. I wouldn't go and take a knife and cut my children so I could, I could bandage them and show them how loving I am to heal them. That, that would be foolishness. But it does allow an opportunity for the glory of God to be revealed. He said that the works of God. What are the works of God? 1 John 3 verse 8. Jesus said, for this reason, the Son of Man was manifested, Son of God manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So the works of God are to destroy the works of the devil. The man's blind because of the devil. So he, Jesus is here to destroy that work of the devil in his life. Do you have that? All right, let's keep going here. John 9, verse 5. John 9, verse 5. Jesus says, as long as I'm here, in the world, I am the light of the world. As long as I'm here in the world, I am the light of the world. Isaiah 60 verse 2 says that the world, everybody is in darkness. 
Everybody's in darkness. But he says, I am the light of the world. So he comes to bring light to all men. Are you with me? John 12 and verse 46. John 12 verse 46. Jesus says, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Now he's dealing with a blind man. This blind man is, is abiding in a physical darkness. But here comes the light of the world, Jesus Christ, and he's going to change that. And if you're in here today and you are abiding in a spiritual darkness, the light of the world has come to bring you out of that darkness. Boy, 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 boy. Are you hearing me today? Now, I want you to see this here, that Jesus is going to destroy what the devil has done. Am I right about it? Satan is a destroyer. Satan causes the blindness, the sickness, the disease, the poverty, the lack, the hunger, the anger, the depression, the anxiety, the, all the, the chaos, the confusion, the depression. Satan causes all that stuff. Jesus has come. Remember in John 10, Jesus says, John 10 verse 10, the thief comes. Help me out. To steal, come on. But. Now, do you know in John 10, he's continuing the conversation from John 9? Yes, sir. So he doesn't say that as just some um, out-of-context word. He's, he's talking to the people about what just happened here in John 9. To the point that if you, if you were to look, I know they don't have the screen, but if you were to look in John 10 and verse uh, 19, says, uh, therefore, there was division, again, among the Jews because of these sayings. He just talked about him being the, 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 the door and the shepherd and the one who brings the, the abundant life, right? And many of them said he has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Verse 21, watch this. Others said, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon? See, they're still in the same, this is the same situation. So when you read John 10 about him being the one who brings this abundant life, it's all a part of what's happened from John 9. Hallelujah. So Jesus is now going to bring this man some a deliverance, a change. And that's what God has sent me here today to do, is to bring somebody into a change. Because if you're in darkness, you can't see. When you're in darkness, you grope in darkness. <laughs> You'll stomp your toe in darkness. Anybody ever done, done that? You ever stumped your toe or your foot stumbled in darkness? And when you're not saved, you are living in darkness. You are constantly stumbling. You are constantly putting yourself in a situation to hurt yourself and even kill yourself. And the devil deceives the unbeliever to think that, no, we're woke. No, you're not woke when you're, saved, when you're unsaved. You're not woke till you're saved. You're groping in darkness, the Bible says, Deuteronomy 28. You're groping in, in gross darkness. You can't even see. I, mean, I, re I remember, I, I think back to when, when I was not born again and, and how I was thinking and living to how I am now that I'm born again and how I think and live. It's a totally different way of seeing things. Can I get a witness on that today? Can't believe I used to do some of the stupid stuff and say some of the stupid things and think some of the stupid ways I did before I got saved. What was I thinking? I wasn't thinking. The devil was thinking for me. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Jesus. Go back to John 8. Go back to John 8. Thank you, Lord. Verse 42. Because I, I got to kill off this, this misconception that the people have in the world that we're all God's children. Because if people think that, then they think they can continue in their ways and somehow God is smiling on them. And that God has, has to let them into his heaven, but that's not true. 
Heaven's not for everybody. I don't care how many t-shirts folk make with angel wings on some rap star's picture. Or some gangbanger's picture that they wouldn't, no, 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 no. Only God can judge me now. Yes, he did. Look at John uh, 8, 42. Are you there? Jesus said to them, if God, if God were your father, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. So not everyone belongs to God. Well, he's got the whole world in his hand. Yes. Yes. He's holding up everybody. But it's his mercy and his grace, his long-suffering that won't allow the sinner to slip off into a devil's hell just yet until he keeps knocking and keeps knocking and they keep refusing, they keep refusing and he says, well, that's your choice. I know y'all aren't getting excited because you're already saved, but I'm, I'm not after you. John 9, verse 6. When he had said, when he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. He spat on, now Jesus has done, he's healed blind men, just speaking, using his words. One man, the Bible says he spat in his eye. I mean, Jesus done all kind of things to heal people. Some he just said, just receive your sight, and they received their sight. But this man, the Bible specifically, say, specifically, specifically says, blind from birth. And so there's a, there's a, a creative issue. And since you and I are made from earth, he puts earth on the man. God, when he brought birds and animals and all the things out of the earth, he spoke. His spirit moved and mingled heaven with earth. So now Jesus Christ, when he spits, he releases heaven, mixes it with earth, makes clay, and puts it on the man's eyes. And then he tells the man, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam. Now, I want you to notice something here. Maybe you caught this. Maybe you're, you're slow like me. So far, the man never said a word. Remember blind Bartimaeus? Jesus was passing by. Blind Bartimaeus said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. On me. He got Jesus' attention. He was hungry. He was thirsty for healing. But this man never asked for Jesus' help. Oh. I remember the one when I got saved, the day I got saved, February 1989, I wasn't asking for Jesus' help. He called me. I needed his help, but I didn't know I needed his help. Somebody in here, you need his help, but you just don't know you need his help. Sometimes people wait till it gets so bad, Pastor Chris, that it's just, it's just bad. It's just bad. You come to him, broken legs, broken arms, eye patch. Jesus, help me. I, I, I don't want to wait till it's that long, till it's... Smoked enough meth, all your teeth gone now, you just, it's bad. 
Jesus saw this man, and he's doing all the work. Spits in the earth. Forms the clay. Salve. Remember we read Romans, uh, we read Revelation 3, verse 20. I think you go back to verse 18. God, Jesus talks about anointing your eye with salve. So you won't be blind anymore. And so Jesus makes this eye salve. Puts it on the man's eyes. And then tells him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Now the man was already blind for sure. Now he's blind and blindfolded. How is he going to see to get to the pool of Siloam? But when you get an instruction from Jesus, there's a grace that will be released on your life to do what you cannot do on your own. Okay, when he walks into the temple one day, the synagogue, and he's, he's about to, they're in there, there's a man who the Bible says, says who has a withered hand. First chapter of Mark. Has a withered hand. And Jesus says to him, stretch forth your hand. He couldn't. But once you just said, do it. Okay, that didn't move you. Jesus is walking on the water. Peter and the guys see him. Peter says, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. He couldn't. But Jesus said, come. Once he said, come, he could. Because the grace is released. So Jesus tells this man, go wash in the pool. Now, watch this. Go wash in the pool of Siloam. So he went and washed. Now, this is, this, this is, this is important. He said, go wash. Notice the Bible doesn't say anywhere he threw the word, wash your eyes. He said, go wash. You'll catch it in a minute. The pool of Siloam, how did that pool come about? You remember King Hezekiah? Second Chronicles chapter 32. King Hezekiah is under attack from King Sennacherib of Assyria. And King Hezekiah and his men get the wisdom from God to, to, to block off all the running uh, bodies of water. Y'all went through Bible school? Y'all to go through Bible school. All the bodies of water, and they created a pool. Because they stopped the flow. They said, they said why should Sennacherib and Assyria come and find running water everywhere? No, we're not going to let them do that. They blocked all the water off, and they created a pool. It's called the pool back then of, of Silea or Siloam in this, in, here in the Greek. Y'all got it? And so they create this pool. Y'all remember in uh, Matthew, I forget where it was, Jesus talks about um, those 18 men. No, it's actually in the book of Luke. He says, says those 18 men who were killed at the, at the tower, by the tower of Siloam. Siloam was used as a cleansing pool where people came and washed themselves of sin. And Jesus said those 18 who were killed, who he said, do you think they were worse sinners than anybody else? Those 18 were there cleansing themselves to absolve themselves of sin, like we go through baptism. Baptism isn't just ritual. The Bible calls baptism an antitype. It's a cleansing. That's why when you get saved, you don't say, well, maybe I'll get baptized, you know, one day, I'll think about it, or my hair, you know, I just got my hair did. And no, no, no. It's part of the cleansing process. Repent and be baptized for the removal, for the remission of sins. Y'all quiet in this, in this boy, y'all. Y'all don't like this here kind of talk. And so the pool of Siloam was where they went and they were washed. They washed themselves to absolve themselves of sin. So when Jesus said, go wash, I lost you. Go wash in the pool of Siloam, it wasn't about his eyes. It was to wash off the sin of Adam. 
Because if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away and all things. That's why he didn't tell him, go and rinse your eyes. He said, go wash. In other words, rinsing your eyes would have just dealt with a symptom. But washing will deal with the whole cause. That's why, that's why I pity folk who come to church and they come and they get saved because they got a court date the next day. I came and I, I, I'm going to give my hands to the man because I, I got to go see a judge in two weeks. And I, I, I come and I get, you know, because my marriage in trouble. And so I come, no, no, that's, that's a symptom. That's a symptom. You need to deal with the actual root cause. And the root cause is sin. What can wash away my sin? And he hadn't shed his blood yet, so he sent him to a pool of Siloam by instruction to wash away his sins. That's why he came back seeing. He washed away the sin of Adam and came out of darkness into the light. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't ever wash away the sin of Adam, the symptoms that you, that plague you, will always, always come back. They'll always dominate your life. They'll always rule your life. Go wash. Tell your neighbor, go wash. Go wash. Wash that filth of sin. Wash that stench of sin off your life. Because when you do it, then you'll come back seeing. I saw the light. No more darkness. All of the light. He came back seeing. 1 Peter 2 and 9 says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the, pra the praises of him who called you out of darkness. Come on. He came back seeing. He came back seeing. What happens in this man, in this story, John 9, they question the man. What happened to you? He said, this man called Jesus <laughs> made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, that's verse 11, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed. Notice the man doesn't even get involved in the whole process until he gets an instruction. But because he opened the door, he received his sight. This is the same story we get the phrase where we say, I once was blind. Because the man, when they started asking him, what happened to you? How did this happen? He said, I don't know about all that. I don't know who he is. All I know is that I once was blind. But now I see. They got mad at him. His parents wouldn't stand up for him. I told you Wednesday night you can't take everybody with you. I said, I told you Wednesday night, you can't take everybody with you. Even if that includes your mama. Nim. If mama and them don't want to get saved, you better get saved for yourself. Because everybody individually has to stand before God when you leave this earth. If cousin them don't want to do it right, you, you just, you just. And his mama and them, his daddy, they wouldn't go with him. They were afraid of what the religious people said. <laughs> and the Bible says that they end up casting the man out. They actually excommunicated the man from their fellowship. Because you're going to get put out when you become a testimony of a Jesus. Verse, verse um, 35. And let's finish. 
Jesus heard that they cast him out. And when he had found him. Well, that's shouting words out there, Laquanda. Jesus heard he was cast out. And he found him. This ain't for you. This is for your neighbor, obviously. He heard he was cast out. And he went looking for him. John 6, verse 37. John 6, 37. Jesus says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means. So that means people will cast you out. For your testimony. For your witness. That's why you don't get as many invitations as you used to get to the family reunion. That's why, that's why your friends don't follow you no more and they don't call you no more. Because you're one of them holy rollers, one of them church folk, one of them. Now you're walking different. Now you don't want to smoke weed with us no more. What's wrong with you? You don't want to get down with us no more. No! And they cast them out. But Jesus found him. Watch this. Now watch this. Watch this. He got his miracle, but Jesus didn't stop him with the miracle. He said, do you believe in the Son of God? See, because Jesus is concerned about his soul. To have your sight is one thing. To have your answer is one thing. But I'm concerned about your eternity. Thank God for healing and thank God for miracles, but I'm concerned about what happens when you leave here. Because God will heal your body, but at, at one day you're going to die. God can give you a brand new car and a new house, but one day you're going to leave all that stuff. And what is most concerned with is what happens to your soul. He said, do you believe in the Son of God? And he answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? In other words, I'm willing. Something happened to me. I'm willing to believe in him. I would have been like this the rest of my life, but something happened. Jesus said to him, you have both seen him. That means you look at him right now. And it is he who is talking to you, talking with you. Then he said, Lord. The man gets saved right on the spot. Lord. I believe. Somebody say, Lord. I believe. And he worshiped. If you don't know how to worship God, it's an indication that you may not be a believer. You may have experienced a miracle, may have experienced a turnaround, but not yet a believer. Because if you believe in him, you'll start worshiping him. Jesus is passing by right now this moment. We used to sing a song growing up, reach out and touch the Lord as he goes by. You will find he's not too busy to hear your hearts cry, right? Jesus. He is passing by this moment, your needs he will supply. Reach out and touch the Lord as he goes by. My parents, my dad was a pastor. We used to have a Sunday night evangelistic service. We're going to bring it back, evangelistic service. That'll, that'll be one of the usual Sunday night songs. Reach out and touch the Lord as he goes by. You will find he's not too busy. See, that Jesus wasn't too busy. He was escaping, but he wasn't too busy. To hear your hearts cry. He is passing by this moment. Your needs he will supply. Reach out and touch the Lord as he goes by right now this moment he's passing by and he's knocking at the door of somebody's heart he's knocking at your heart
He's not going to force his way in. 